afternoon. JT Angstrom here with FreightWaves. With me, I have Ricardo Salgado, co-founder and CEO of LoadSmart. Ricardo, welcome to the, sh to the segment. JT, thank you for having me. It's good to see you. Same here. I'm glad you're healthy. Yeah, likewise. How are you holding up? Are you in New York City or in North Jersey now? I am in North Jersey. I am based in New York City, uh, but we uh, tried to go through be uh, less density, so we are an hour away uh, from the city. Okay, that must be uh, a nice kind of change of environment. It is. Uh, to be honest, I, you know, I mean, New York City obviously became the epicenter of COVID, and New Jersey is not that behind uh, New York. Uh, but we've been very, uh, very fortunate. We're very fortunate to have the ability to uh, apply some social distancing and, and be uh, healthy uh, during these uh, unprecedented times. That's right. I think you guys have done a phenomenal job managing a remote work environment, which really stands to a testament of how well you've been able to integrate technology into your operation. Yeah, that's correct. I think our DNA historically has had a, an element of a distributed uh, workforce. We definitely have our main hubs in New York, uh, Chicago, and other locations, but we do have talent uh, that is a bit distributed. And, and so we we already were are very uh, using the typical systems such as Slack, collaboration, uh, Zoom. Uh, so it was pretty seamless. And to be honest, it's been as productive as beyond more productive than, than, than we thought. Uh, so productivity levels actually did not uh, decline. They only improved. Uh, so we, 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 it's been a great experience. That's amazing. So, suboptimal times. That's amazing. Congratulations. That's awesome to hear. And we know you guys are also implementing a lot of phenomenal technology for your customers. So why don't we jump into the segment and talk a little bit about what's going on and then a bit about how you guys are navigating those markets. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Listen, uh, you know, at the core, we were always about how do we digitize? How do we see that secular shift from think about brick and mortar retail to that e-commerce? Same thing has to happen on the uh, supply chain. And if you're not digitizing, you can't automate. And if you can't automate, you can't optimize. And if you can't optimize, then, you know, from a cost perspective, you know, your competition is going to eat you uh, alive. And so it's really the foundation of, the, of digitization. And the most basic way of thinking about that is, uh, you know, how a, a shipper procures a full truckload or, or trucking capacity. And if you look at that journey in a digital format, it's how do you replace a phone call or an email with an API call. And what that means is think about the ERP or in, uh, enterprise resource planning software of a manufacturing company talking to the TMS and the TMS talking to us via API, requesting a quote, and then getting uh, uh, having rules-based acceptance at the server level. So that transaction or that capacity happened without even a, a load planner being, uh, even knowing that the shipment needed to move or that the truck got matched so he can go out there and, and, and continue to do more value-added uh, items. So that's the core foundation of digitization. And I would say that during COVID-19, the clients that had that type of technology and digitization, it enabled to procure capacity. When everything spiked in the middle of March, uh, they didn't have to wait, for instance, for the primary to reject and wait for that to go to the secondary, third, fourth, and fifth down the guide and then pick up whatever limited capacity was available, those guys that were fully integrated got that instantly, best service, best pricing, best everything, and that's a huge competitive uh, advantage. Yeah, it's amazing, and I, and I imagine that really helps a lot of shippers 
uh, react to market conditions much more rapidly than they would have been able to prior to having you know technology from Loadsmart, which is incredible. Um, so with that, so can you talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing in the freight market as a whole and how the COVID period, from your perspective, is impacting that and how you think um, those lessons might uh, linger on into future periods as, as, as shippers think about how to uh, hedge their risk within their supply chains to global pandemic situations. Yeah, I would say that it was exceptionally volatile uh, and it was, you know, different sectors fared uh, differently. So, like, we saw unprecedented type of demand surge for anything that was business essential. So think about, you know, anything that you need to eat, food, groceries, uh, food and beverage, pharma, all of that just surged to unprecedented uh, 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 levels overnight. So you saw rejection rates go exceptionally high. We hadn't seen those rejection rates since 2018 to be 100% frank. So all of a sudden that capacity wasn't uh, there instantly, notwithstanding some of the uh, manufacturing and industrials and any segment that service, think about that discretionary restaurants and uh, uh, that type of market definitely had dropped. But notwithstanding that drop, that demand was exceptionally uh, high until we actually stocked up. Then it stabilized and then it started dropping, you know, as well. We see that generically that food and beverage as all you guys, all human humanity has basically stocked up. And now we feel comfortable that this, you know, pandemic is, it doesn't mean that you're going to run out of supplies and you can still get access to the grocery store and you still have, you know, e-commerce. It's not perfect, but it's, it might be a little bit delayed, but you still will get access to your toilet paper. You will still get access to your paper towels. You'll get access to some, uh, you know, to food uh, and business uh, essentials. So I think that we're no longer stocking, but that will be a little bit uh, uh, stable. And I think, you know, post COVID and when we go back to work, given the economic environment, uh, the discretionary income is definitely uh, uh, lower. So you're probably going to be eating at home more. You're probably not going to be, you know, at the restaurants as actively until you have better, you know, economic uh, environment and better comfortable around like the the health situation. Uh, so that 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 will create some stability around that uh, those uh, sub uh, segments. So I would say that generically pre and post COVID, there were certain sectors that fared better, food and beverage and pharma very well. And they're, you know, even though they declined a little bit since that peak as we uh, basically uh, collected inventory, now it's stabilized, but that's still uh, relatively stable. And we're starting to see, you know, some production starting to come back in a little bit, uh, you know, of that. So you're starting to see that that, that kind of dynamic uh, coming uh, back. But I would say that, so highly volatile, the guys that were better, best, uh, equipped to handle it, even in a remote location, as if you were automated. We had clients that called us said, like, if we wouldn't have automated and done the stuff that we've done in partnership with LoadSmart, we wouldn't have been able to be able to to do it in a remote uh, format. So that gave them an edge in any type of business continuity planning that they have. And to be frank, no one predicted in business continuity a, pan- a pandemic like the one we did we, we, uh, we're, we're, we're experiencing. Yeah, that's right. That's incredible. And this is really a, an unprecedented time and and certainly shocks to the supply and demand dynamic in, in trucking in or supply chain, depending upon how you want to think about it, are not unprecedented. What's unprecedented, uh, at least in recent history or certainly the past few decades, is the nature of and the type of shock that this has uh, impacted global supply chains with. And then on top of that, uh, furthermore, 
we're also in an environment where global energy markets have been materially impacted. And both of these uh, events have happened almost simultaneously, which is interesting. And, and there was a big energy shock back in 2015, 16, depending on how you want to define it, end of 14, sort of end of 14 and the hangover and trucking hit in 2016. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see uh, what the longer term ramifications through each market moving event will be, uh, you know, if we can quickly recover from the pandemic and then what the, the linger on furthermore impacts will be for, for, you know, the energy markets as they broadly impact overall supply and demand. Um, so what challenges have you been hearing from your customers on both the shipper and the carrier side in light of sort of all of these fundamental dynamics that you're outlining? I would say that, you know, for uh, uh, the carrier side, for example, like their networks became in balance, right? Because all of a sudden you had groceries that were still relatively strong and stable and you had triangles, but the other all that had to do with autos or manufacturing that would get that carrier back home didn't exist. So higher backhaul uh, uh, rates is something that uh, we're definitely experiencing. And definitely just pricing just collapsing uh, again to some unprecedented uh, levels. So those carriers ultimately, need, notwithstanding having record oil prices and fuel prices, they still you know, need to make a return on investment on, on those uh, assets. I would say that I would say that you know some shippers uh, definitely like access to liquidity is, that is uh, important. Uh, the PPP, you know, you started to see some benefits around uh, those uh, around those items. Uh, that was very quickly. Not everybody got access to it. Now you know we'll, we'll have more uh, 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 funds uh, there. And I think that there's a you know there's a confidence shock, right? So your confidence to go out there and be like I'm going to turn on demand immediately when you just don't know what the outlook change exceptionally fast, that's really difficult for our clients to basically uh, uh, navigate because how are you going to invest the capital that you have and the liquidity that, 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 that you have? And I think there's also a triggering or uh, you know a triggering effect where there's certain clients that are extending their working capital or not paying their vendors on time. So you're starting to see a little bit uh, of that. So all of that, you know, to, and when are we going back home? How long, I'm sorry, going back to work, how long is that going to take? Is it going to be phased out, phased in? What what rules? I think those are some of the, the, the challenges. I also think that, you know, the, the the warehousing, for instance, environment is, you know, they're adapting like masks. They're adapting safety protocols that make sense, but people are still adapting these things. There's there's uh, local governments that talk about uh, uh, truck stops, you know, closing truck stops, for example. And this is like the bread and butter of this economy to transport uh, these type of uh, uh, items. And I just want to give a shout out also to uh, the truckers out there. These guys are heroes. They are as as important as, you know, all the nurses, all the doctors that are in the front line, all the grocery attendants that are basically going out there. And like those guys put their lives at risk. And we all have you know, a friend that has had COVID-19 that has been in the hospital. And so we, we are seeing it close to our, ourselves. And these are the guys that were on the road while everybody was quarantined at their home. And so people like you should never forget about, you know, these folks that are out there risk lives and, 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 and we have to like treat them with respect and be there uh, for them because they were able to deliver essential goods to your house and we couldn't have done it without the, 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 those truck drivers. So yeah, that's absolutely right. I think that's a great call out. You know, the always responder as we like to call them. Um, <clears throat> so how do you see supply chains continuing to function smoothly and consistently during such an unprecedented and unplanned global crisis? 
Or, yeah. or do you see them perhaps even breaking down? Or can you give us some commentary on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think right now the supply chain is a little bit un unbalanced, right? So you yeah. see you have like this trade, like if you go international and you think about this China-US COVID at the beginning. And so if you look at the import and export dynamic, like that's just super, you know, imbalanced and turning that on, turning it off was relatively quick, but turning it back on when there's lack of confidence and there's a liquidity crisis, that, that, that type of stuff is, is much, it takes a, a much uh, uh, longer. In terms of the domestic uh, uh, side of it, you're seeing a little bit of that imbalance. Uh, groceries continue to be relatively stable, although uh, a reduced level as we already stocked up. And but I, I I believe that that will be relatively stable over the next two three quarters for through 2021, and we're starting to see some uptick of like for instance even auto is starting to turn on uh, for example. So you're going to start a little bit of that. I think people want to go generically want to go back to work. I mean with the right safety precautions, with the right social distancing, with the right you know masks, gloves, you know all of all of those things. But I think that's something that is key, and it's similar to what uh, for for e-commerce, right? I mean. Um, some of the leading e-commerce companies are going to report earnings soon, and we're going to see, you know, the adoption. And there's usually a journey of adoption, meaning that a human being, human beings are creatures of old habits, and it take they take some time to adopt a new technology. And they adopt technologies that give them instant gratification faster than the ones that take longer. And all of a sudden, like if you're used to, to go to the grocery store and go and pick up your stuff, like you're you know, to transition to doing it online, it's it's harder. You like to pick up, you know, your tomatoes, you like to feel your avocados, you know. And now all of a sudden having somebody else to do that for you, like it took you a little bit of time, and now all of a sudden it accelerated. So I predict that if you look at, you know, for instance, e-commerce of a percentage of all retail back in 2000 was 1%. Last year was somewhere around 14%, depending on what you ask. I'm going to estimate that that's only going to accelerate right now as more people are going, you know, and, and doing that. And so that applies to, uh, to, to our space and digitization that we're realizing if we're not digitized, once again, you can't automate. If you can't automate, you can't optimize. If you can't optimize, you can't, you, you, from a cost perspective, it's, it's difficult. And in a world where shippers are, moving from two-day delivery to one-day delivery, for example, and they don't hesitate in burning a billion dollars order to move their networks in such a fashion, like you're going to be left behind unless you go out there and uh, So it's not only a cost thing, but it's also a servicing thing because it's servicing, you know, when you're digital, you can see where that capacity is. You can see where it's uh, a first look. So that's even within that element of transportation, ground transportation in the United States, right? But now the next step that lays the foundation of also wiring up and digitizing and communicating with the WMS, with the international uh, side of it, with all the trade you know, uh, side of it. So all those systems don't talk to each other. So first we got to digitize each vertical and then we can have those systems talk to each other and then you can start thinking about end-to-end -end logistics. And I think that's something that's really, really important. And by the way, that's also fundamental for our truck drivers, for our carriers, right? It's a data problem that you know, they run empty as high as they run empty because they don't know where these loads are. It's not there's no one in the middle balancing these shipments and trucks uh, network in a more digitized world. You can reduce your empty time, improve your OR side, get your drivers home so you retain them and give them a better return on investment from a mile perspective. Uh, so I'm optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic that as a result of all this, there are going to be some pros or benefits around it, which is primarily that accelerated digitization that we're seeing not only in supply chain, but across most of our day-to-day -day lives. Yeah, that's an incredible perspective. And then piggybacking on that, can you talk to us a little bit about how 
technologies from company, companies like yourself, like LoadSmart, uh, can mitigate uh, fluctuating market conditions and, and challenges associated with that. And you talked about this a little bit, but maybe we can expand on it. Absolutely. And it's, it's just about having access to capacity instantly. So you don't have to call someone, you don't have to email anybody and wait. You know, you just get that price uh, instantly. So if you think about a traditional routing guide, when you do most most of the full truckload is contracted, and you know once a year you'll put all your business out for an RFP, and then you'll contract. You know, let's say New York, Atlanta, and the primary carrier will will usually do that shipment for let's say uh, 1.5 a mile, and the will do it for 1.6 a mile, and the next one for 1.7 a mile, and you keep on going lower. So when the primary carrier rejects, and it takes two hours for him to reject. Then he goes to the second one, and then you wait another two hours, and then it keeps on going and going and going. So basically, you end up in a world where you waited 10 hours, and now it's in the spot world for a shipment that needs to get picked up you know, in six hours or morning with limited capacity uh, out there. So for us, it's like, how do we, as soon as that primary carrier rejects, have a rate that is instant that can be accepted. There's no wait for two hours, and you can get that capacity uh, immediately. And once again, it's a load planner. A load planner doesn't need to, be, need to be involved because you put intelligence at the several several level to uh, uh, to connect that. And for our carrier uh, partners, what I would say is, as we've aggregated all these leading uh, TMSs, you know, think about uh, Oracle has been announced, uh, Blue Jay has been, Mercury Gate been announced, what network has been announced, and a bunch of others that haven't been announced. As we were able to integrate into those native TMSs, we're starting to see a lot of shipments for our leading clients. We've acquired 22% of Fortune 100 clients. So think about it. the largest 100 shippers in the United States, we've acquired 22% of the ones that do that ship full truckload. And as we're able to see all the that type of capacity, we can also display it to that carrier base that doesn't have access, direct access to these shippers to optimize those trucks. So what they care about is a, a load in the right direction at the right time for the right price. And given the amount of volume that we see on the demand side from shippers programmatically through their native TMS, we can expose that as well to those uh, carriers in a programmatic fashion. So we can also automate uh, a lot of that uh, side of it. So the end, the, the end is uh, how do you automate the whole journey from how a shipper books that shipment to how do we match and find that carrier with literally just servers talking to each other and optimizing to match that data from one to that to the other so that it's as optimal as possible. Yeah, that's incredible. And that, and that introduces a lot of efficiency to the communication process and the price-seeking yeah. process. Um, beyond just digital freight technology, go ahead. Yeah, and there's a other thing or side effects as a result of that. Like, for example, intelligent scheduling. Like, you know, once you start digitizing all that, it's like, hey, think about that dynamic scheduling. Is there too many people? Are there too many trucks waiting at this point in time to get loaded, right? Can you dynamically schedule and scatter out so that you can be more efficient? Because it's all about time. It's all about return on an, uh, uh, an investment. So how do you actually keep those docks full? How do you have the right time? So it's not just, you know, matching a, a shipment or a load with a, a truck, but it's also about how do you actually load them and unload them in an efficient uh, manner and who are the most optimal to, uh, at doing that. And once again, without digitization, you can't do it. So it's not just digitizing TMSs and the carrier side of it, but also digitizing the warehouse side of it, digitizing like the, the scheduling component, digitizing the whole track and trace component. All of that comes into, into a consolidated way. That's absolutely correct. And, and then the more visibility you can have, the more you can collect data and gain 
uh, analyses around how to actually optimize, or if not optimize, at least price in these factors. Um, so with that, how can shippers and carriers prepare for the next supply chain disruption to future-proof their businesses? They have to adopt, uh, you know, technology. Like, you know, I think that, you know, digital freight brokers are here to stay. And if you're not adopting technology, you're going to be left behind, right? And so you don't want to be in that. And, you know, and human beings are creatures of old habits, right? So it takes us a long time to adapt to certain things. You know, we, we don't like to do things. We get comfortable on, on a certain amount of things. So I think that if you want to be at the leading edge of technology, and we're in the middle of a technology revolution that's been happening for a long time. Just think about your smartphone. The iPhone only came out in 2007. That's 13 years ago. The GPS module came out in 2009. That's 11 years ago, right? We could not have Netflix the way that it exists today without those things. We couldn't have Uber without the without that type of you know uh, technology uh, today. We couldn't have Netflix without without the 5G or 4G or the streaming capabilities to provide it uh, ultimately. So the next layer is if you're uh, in a logistics uh, position to make decisions and you're not adopting and you're not reading and you're not educating yourself around technology and if you're not digitizing you're definitely going to be uh, uh, left uh, behind. So we have seen that the shippers that are adopting these type of technologies have an edge and they, they weather the storm much better than others. And now those guys are the ones that did not integrate or digitize are calling us, for example. They're like, hey, wait, how does this work uh, now? And three months ago, it was like a very difficult or long sales cycle. Skepticism, yeah. And we're like, where have you been? Like, we've been like, we've been knocking on your door. So, so it's interesting to see them recognize a little bit. And it's usually when human beings feel pain that they come and they try to solve the pain. So I would probably encourage everybody to be more proactive and and not wait for you know the pain to to be reactive to the situation and probably adopt these technologies. Yeah, that's interesting uh, commentary. And so and so with that. What, uh, to use a baseball phraseology, what innings of, you know, digital uh, adoption would you categorize us being in from your perspective, given, given everything you know about the market, both in terms of the digital technological availability, but then also what currently exists among shippers and carriers? Yeah, I would say we're very early uh, still. The percentage of the whole market that is digital is maybe 5%. Uh, to be 100% honest. So, but I mean, there's industry analysts that expect that to be 30% by 2025, 2026. So we see that secular shift, similar to the secular shift that we saw in brick and mortar uh, retail go to uh, e-commerce from 1% in 20 in 2000 to 14, 13, 14% today, similar to what we saw in the hotels uh, industry where, you know, before you went to a travel agency and 20 years ago, online was less than, five percent and today we're closer to 35 45 uh, uh, percent so i would say that that's uh, that we're, we're seeing those the, the trends but for us we were a little bit late uh or in, in this industry and the infrastructure wasn't just wasn't there like these tms integrations we were the first one to do the oracle for instance integration we were the first one to start thinking in such a way and that happened less than a year ago, uh, to be 100% frank. So you need that infrastructure. It, it's similar to my analogy that I gave you earlier, that without the smartphone with the GPS module, you couldn't have Uber. You couldn't have Uber in the format that it exists today back in 2000, 2005, 2007, because the, the technology infrastructure didn't exist. So now we have the infrastructure. Now we are seeing some adoption. Now people are paying attention. They see some of the uh, uh, benefits. So now you'll start accelerating that. But I would say you're still in that second inning of digitization. Yeah, that, that that's interesting. And that's 
that's incredible commentary, and I think there's a lot more to come from from you guys to uh, uh, penetrate and introduce net new digital offerings to the market, and we're really excited to see that. Um, so we're coming towards the end of our time. It's great to see you. I'm glad to see that you're healthy. I'm glad to hear that LoadSmart's doing very well. Um, for anyone who's watching or listening, if, if you haven't been on the website, certainly go check it out. There's a lot of awesome things to be found there, and there's a lot of great people at LoadSmart. I know some, if not uh, more than some myself, Ricardo, including yourself, and it's great to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. JT, thank you very much for having me. As usual, a privilege uh, to talk to you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much.